One Week Season. Nation, my dudes and dudettes, Hilo here, bringing you the news and market update session. As always, this session will be released every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we'll jump into the news from the previous week, any major market movements, and more importantly, the theoretical aspects of where we expect those to go and how we can stay ahead of those trends moving forward. Jumping right in here, some notable news from this previous week. The Dalvin Cook to Miami hype train continues to chug on. The reality from a from an organizational level and perspective of how organizations are run, this makes very little sense uh, when digging deeper beyond just the idea of Dalvin Cook playing for Miami. Um, what did Miami do? They recently re-signed Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson to two-year contracts, and these were not just base-level contracts. These were significant $8 million deals. They also went out and sunk fairly significant draft capital in Devon A-Chain. A-Chain, shit, keep butchering that one. Devon A-Chain. Um, and from when you look at this roster and how it was built, over the previous two seasons with McDaniel now in town running the show, highly analytical, highly forward thinking and leaning. And then from how they've spent their money and their draft picks and their off season, obviously losing their first round pick this year, but they have invested significant capital in the defense and in the trenches And when you look at what they've done in the defense, they've invested significant capital in the front four and the back end. And that's typically a sign of a team that is putting emphasis in the right places, because that's really what it takes to be a top tier defense in today's NFL game, elite secondary and an elite front four or plus plus front unit that is able to generate pressure on the quarterback, disrupt drives, generate mistakes, turnovers, all those things. So everything I've seen out of Miami, out of McDaniel, out of everything that Miami is doing paints the picture of an organization and head coach that is doing things right. And that's highly subjective thing to say, doing things right. But from my perspective, they are, putting their money in and moving and acquiring pieces and putting pieces into play to make their football team better. And that begs the question, does Dalvin cook make their football team better? That again is open to interpretation, but me sitting here in my comfy couch, I don't see how Dalvin cook gives them anything that they don't have on offense beyond somebody who can punch, (laughs) who can, be a red zone threat. And you think about like how this team's being built a lot of pre-snap movement on offense, a lot of safety manipulation on offense, a lot of um, really plays that the league has never seen before. 
couple weeks ago, Jordan Vanek and I broke down a marquee play from this previous season where it was ended up being a touchdown to Jalen Waddle over the middle of the field. But the way that he Mike McDaniel has run that offense is basically tailored to what they have at running back. And that play really, really highlighted it for me, kind of eye-opening from the sense of Mike McDaniel is doing things from a play-calling perspective that the league just quite frankly hasn't seen before. And whether or not Dalvin Cook gives them the pieces to take that to the next level is up for debate. But all of this to say, it's going on over two, two and a half weeks now that we've had this hype of Dalvin Cook to Miami. And what we're seeing is Dalvin Cook's ADP is relatively remaining in the same spot, has jumped a little bit, but it's really influenced Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson in particular, and Devon A-Chain has slipped a little bit since this Dalvin Cook to Miami hype train has taken over. So how do we capitalize on that? Everything that I just broke down goes into how highly I regard Mike McDaniel and what he's doing in Miami and the defensive pieces that they've gotten and how they're running their organization almost contradicts signing a running back to a second contract, which would be expected to be fairly significant. So all that goes into my mind is I'm just going to continue to hammer the value that's available in that backfield and then adjust as needed if Dalvin Cook does in fact go there. But I don't I think that the the field is placing too much certainty in this idea of Dalvin Cook to Miami. And we're seeing it influenced by the ADPs of the present people that are present in that backfield. That was a lot on Dalvin Cook, but I, I wanted to get those thoughts out. Um because we we've seen this hype train continue to gain momentum over the previous two, two and a half weeks and ADPs are being highly influenced by it. Traylon Burks moving on here. Traylon Burks uh, picking up some hype out of OTAs. Basically Ryan Tannehill has talked him up. The coaching staff has talked him up. We've seen basically like a highlight catch video out of Tennessee for each day in OTAs uh, that Traylon Burks has made. And we kind of, Traylon Burks is this guy who has a fairly wide range of outcomes from both a season-long perspective and from the perspective of an individual week. So we kind of already knew what Traylon Burks was, and we've kind of already been targeting that wide range of outcomes. But now his, his ADP has begun to trickle up and up and up. I expect it to continue climbing with all the hype that is coming out of Tennessee, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we're off of Traylon Burks because he still carries this extremely wide range of outcomes. We just need to start thinking about how we're putting those pieces together now. Now that his ADP, I'd expect we're going to see up into the sixth round at some point, um, which is fighting with some guys that are already established in the sixth round that are we've been targeting fairly heavily that have equally as high ceiling, but a more condensed range of outcomes, namely Tyler Lockett. Some of these guys that we've, we've talked about before. Um, another guy that we're going to talk to um, here in a little bit, um, but some of the, the Tampa Bay wide receivers slipping into that same range. So 
just something to note. I expect Traylon Burks to continue to climb, probably end up somewhere in that sixth round range um, amongst some of these other guys, the Chris Godwins, um, the Tyler Lockett's. Keep an eye on that one. The, I guess, a secondary fallout of the Dalvin Cook hype train to Miami has been the um, Alexander Madison hype train amidst the Dalvin Cook news. Um, the most recent report that came out of Minnesota is that they are treating him and they viewed Alexander Madison as a three down back. Whether or not that could transpire, considering he's really not, never carried a full workload, workhorse type workload for more than a couple of games here and there throughout his career. That remains to be seen, um, but that is a situation worth monitoring when before this mega Dalvin Cook hype train started taking place a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that even though, even if you do not, or I guess regardless of what your feelings are on Alexander Madison, whether or not he can step into a, a featured role in that offense, that is within his range of outcomes. So it does make sense to continue or to, if you hadn't been taking shots on Madison to start getting those shots because his ADP was likely to move. We covered that two weeks ago. Um, now that his ADP is continuing to creep up, uh, we have to start answering or I guess asking the question, how far are we willing to push this from a portfolio management perspective? So just something to think about there with Madison and Dalvin Cook and everything going on in Minnesota in the backfield. Moving on, um, Dallas rookie tight end Luke Schoonmaker apparently is dealing with plantar fascia in uh, his foot during OTAs. Basically, that is good news for Jake Ferguson, who we've been targeting fairly heavily um, and who we've been hyping up a little bit as this situation that is full of ambiguity, but it is a situation that as a whole, the tight end in Dallas is a valuable role. So it's a slight bump to Jake Ferguson. He's still going undrafted slash in the 18th round, um, and I'll continue to be targeting him there. We got some more Justin Ross hype this week with the quote, Mahomes trusts him. This is a guy that is tied to the best quarterback in the game right now tied to one of the top offenses in the game uh, and he's still going undrafted. So that has a lot to do with the ambiguity in Kansas city amongst the wide receivers. Basically it's Kadarius Tony in the seventh round and then a bunch of, we don't know. Um, well, Justin Ross is part of that. We don't know yet. He's not being treated as such yet by the field. Um, this is probably the third kind of positive report to come out this off season on Justin Ross. Um, and again, this isn't like a, this isn't like a high level prospect. Uh, I believe he was an undrafted free agent last season, um, and then missed the entirety of the season. But even though the undrafted free agent missed the entirety of the season, and then the chiefs not only retained him, but are hyping him up this off season. It speaks a little bit of, of volumes to me um, as a player worth at least taking those shots. Um, I would primarily think about taking shots on Justin Ross in the 18th on team on, on rosters on builds that I have 
targeted that week 17 matchup. So I've, I've got my early Cincy stack or I've, I've gotten a, um, a naked Joe Mixon would be a good roster to, to throw a Justin Ross type on. Um, but that's a guy that carries some theoretical upside. Uh, should he see some semblance of a role in that offense this year, moving on Luke Musgrave tight end rookie tight end in green Bay um, is earning reps with the ones in OTAs. I continue to treat him as a viable tight end three on rosters for potential for late season production on an offense that is really lacking much in the way of playmakers beyond um, the both running backs um, and Christian Watson. So something to keep an eye on with Luke Musgrave. Uh, I've upped my exposure to him over the previous two weeks as a tight end three on rosters. These next two, I'm going to lump them together. Um, my notes on them are just no, but we're starting to get some Terrace Marshall hype um, and some LaVisca Chenault hype. And it's starting to sound like a, uh, uh, beating a dead horse here that the drum for these two just continues to beat every off season. Um, but if you look at both of these guys, they have, I guess LaVisca has seen multiple different regimes. Terrace has not. Um, but if you look at their profiles, similar athletic profiles, similar upside profiles that has yet to translate to the real world, whatever the case, how, how, whatever the reasoning for that is, they have not yet been given full opportunity. And when they have get, been given opportunity, not fully capitalized on it. So I'll let that hype train roll on uh, and kind of just shrug those two off for now. Other news around the league, the Saints added yet another tight end this week in Jesse James. And this is uh, just a week, less than a week after um, adding another tight end last week. So when we saw this team add a tight end last week, a, a tight end that was diagnosed with leukemia two months prior, we saw significant movement in the ADP of Taysom Hill. And we saw Jawan Johnson's ADP not really budge much, which was interesting to me because Taysom Hill is the gadget man, the the guy who has made it through two coaching regimes and continues to be schemed touches in the backfield at quarterback, in the backfield at fullback, uh, inline tight end, in the slot, you name it. Kind of this guy has kind of been, <laughs> I guess... I don't know, trolling us all with his usage. But so the fact that the addition of one tight end previously affected Taysom Hill's ADP, but not really Juwan Johnson's was already confusing to me. Now that they've added a second in Jesse James over the previous seven to 10 days, I'd expect Taysom's Hill, Taysom Hill's ADP to continue to fall. And that is a situation that I like mixing into two tight end builds and to three tight end builds with Taysom Hill late. Um, still targeting Jawan Johnson every now and then, probably slightly lower than um, than 8%. Uh, but he is 
still carries a significant role as the primary pass catching tight end in that offense. So I'll continue targeting both of these um, New Orleans tight ends as they just keep adding bodies to the room. We're getting more and more Antonio Gibson hype. We've talked about this before. Antonio Gibson is my guy out of that backfield. Um, But I will, I guess, (laughs) close the loop on that immediate statement in saying that I it's we've talked about not having guys. <laughs> um, anyway, I digress. That has left Brian Robinson's ADP to continue to decrease. And now when we were hammer, hammering Antonio Gibson's ADP uh, or hammering Antonio Gibson when his ADP was in the 13th, 14th round, now we see that Brian Robinson is approaching the triple digits and Antonio Gibson is within a round of Brian Robinson's ADP. So we've talked about this in multiple places. Now is the time to start. If you have not been start taking those Brian Robinson shares, start boosting up and evening out the pro the, the portfolio amongst that a backfield tandem, because both of them are going to be involved. We don't know the exact split, but like we talked about before, Brian Robinson is coming off a season where he saw more than 18 touches per game. And that was in a season where he got shot in the leg um, during like, I think it was his latest camp um, and came back to to play. So while I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on in that backfield or what to predict or project or expect, but all we can do is place ourselves in the best position to leverage um expected value and the expected value is shifting from Antonio Gibson to Brian Robinson talked about before, but worth mention again with the continued Antonio Gibson hype that we're seeing continuing on here, Baker Mayfield and Trask are splitting first team reps in OTAs and both of them look like shit. They are. They both look pretty bad. We saw the, the video this past week of OTAs in Tampa, and it was basically both of them just rotating through and overthrowing uh, receivers and tight ends alike, uh, which is hard to do when you have Kate Otten and his what six foot four frame streaking down the field and they're still overthrowing him. Um, but I expect that to continue to negatively influence the pass catchers in Tampa. We still have two guys named Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in Tampa that are capable of vastly exceeding their both their ADPs and providing spurious or random spike weeks based on their talent alone. So when you get this case of just the field, seeing these videos, seeing the the, the entire football world shit on both quarterbacks, yet... We still have these two pass catchers that are extremely talented and have continued to put up numbers with a various smattering of NFL quarterbacks. I am much more apt to take, or I guess try and catch that falling knife or take shots on the upside of the individual as their ADPs fall. So we, we talked about both of these guys when we were talking about Traylon Burks and him coming up in ADP and the decisions that have to be made as when that starts to transpire. Yes, Traylon Burks has a lot of upside. He is the 
unquestioned wide receiver one in Tennessee. And Tampa has all these unknowns from quarterback to how are they going to run their offense to, you know, everything, you know, going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield or, or Kyle Trask uh, is a big shift. That said, the individual talent is there for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I expect their ADPs to continue to fall. These guys are probably a, from a theoretical perspective, make the most sense to allow the dust to settle because there's very little that can happen to make their ADPs reverse course and climb from now until the start of camps, which is four weeks away. And we'll talk a little bit more about the theoretical components of that here in a minute. But those are two that it makes the most sense from a theoretical perspective to kind of let the dust settle because I expect them to continue to fall. There's very little that can happen to reverse that that course. So we can kind of just wait on these guys and, and get our exposure to whatever we want in our portfolio a little bit later on in the draft cycle. More news out of Kansas City, Kadarius Tony. Uh, was reported, I quote, can be number one type receiver. We kind of talked about his exponentially wide range of outcomes uh, previously this past week. Uh, but keep an eye on his ADP because if it can, or if it, it's kind of been stagnant up to this point, if it starts to climb, then we have to kind of have that same discussion or that same internal thought process as we talked about with Traylon Burks. Finally, the bigger, uh, Finally, the final piece of the big news that happened this previous week is that the Jags reportedly are exploring or expected or whatever you want conjecture in uh, the end of May uh, to want to use a committee at running back. So Bigsby, obviously, we had been targeting at him as a guy that could see a handful of weekly touches with upside um, through the sense of um, a handcuff. Maybe he's a little bit more than that. So we might need to be con uh, considering that because his ADP is highly palatable uh, still. Um, he's kind of in this range of the, we don't know what to do with these backups. Are they going to be involved? Are they pure handcuffs? Um, Tyler Aljair in uh, Atlanta kind of fits that mold. Tank Bigsby also fits that mold. Um, their ADPs have, I guess, increased to the 13th-ish round. Um, but that's a fine time in a draft to take upside on a backfield piece that could be more than a handcuff. Um, and both of those names fit that bill. So with that, I mentioned earlier that uh, these next four weeks, we're going to kind of start to see this hype train and shit fest cycle where we're going to see massive fluctuations in ADP, and that is leading up to when camps open in about a month. So right now is an excellent time to lower our volume in the major contests and target these snapshot contests on underdog and DraftKings, and then also pay some significant attention to drafters. Why is that? A lot of it has to do with this idea of the draft cycle, the draft window, our shifting focus in um, how we attack those drafts in those various windows, and also 
the snapshot contest. So the puppy two just launched again this week. It's been open for all of three days and it's already 29% full. So as we talked about, and as Mike brought up for the first puppy, which launched or was released prior to schedules being released, we have an opportunity in these snapshot contests because slow drafts are still open to us in those to really, really take a wait and see approach from the sense of the specific draft window of those contests. And then at towards the end, we can enter a metric shit ton of slow drafts and really, really take advantage of the next three to four weeks leading up to camp. The news cycles that will be released then, um, the falling ADPs, you're going to see, and this happened also in my Dalmatian draft, which was the $101 single entry contest on Underdog, where I entered the contest, it was slow draft only, and then we started getting all this negative I guess, biases built up around Jameer Gibbs because he was not participating in OTAs or he he got injured in the first practice, uh, the first organized team activity. So that affected his ADP fairly immediately when that happened. And it just so happened that when I entered that draft, it was in like round two when that news popped. And that allowed his ADP in my snapshot window of 12 drafters. It allowed his ADP to fall all the way or his ADP. It allowed him to fall all the way to 51 when he was going about 38 in ADP at that time. He fell all the way to 51 to me. And that was a point where it was like, I can't pass on him there. Regardless of like how I feel about the player, that could be the latest he goes in that entire contest. So entering those slow drafts and getting access to three weeks of news cycle and fluctuations, you could see the micro overreactions that I saw in that Dalmatian draft with Jameer Gibbs. It could be an isolated case of who knows who Um, it could be Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, as we talked about before, um, another negative thing comes out about Baker and Trask and it's like, okay, no one in this specific confined draft of 12 people wants to take Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in the fifth and sixth round. And now you're looking at like, you could get a Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Evans at like an 80 overall. And that's just something that is very, very unique. I think to these slow drafts on these snapshot contests, something to think about there. Also something to think about with respect to drafters because it's a little bit more of, or I guess I should say these new cycles and these fluctuations are a little bit less um, affected or they affect the contest a little bit less because it is a cumulative contest. And we can basically, it makes more sense to spread exposure over the entire cycle something like two drafts a day on drafters um, because the cumulative effect of these news cycles is much less egregious than it is on snapshot contests and and um, with the sense 
of the 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 major contests on DraftKings and on Underdog, where we have to take a little bit more of a theoretical approach because of the unique aspects of how those contests are set up and the fact that we only get 150 entries into them. So with that, that's going to close it for us for today. Again, this was the news and the market reactions um, and threw in a little bit of theoretical components about portfolio management in there at the end. As always, you know where to find me. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Discord. Answer the, or get those questions in. I'll get them answered the best I can and the most expeditiously as I can. With that, we'll see you in the draft lobbies and we'll see you at the top of the leaderboards. Thank you.